0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said,
1: enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. I've been telling everybody for the last three days, one word. Finally, finally, you start, you started that word on our late night edition of Front Row Knowles. (laughs) I'm not very creative, but I am consistent. It occurs to me that when we record that and I'm driving home from the stadium, you just get stuck looking at a headshot. I should make that a more interesting photo for you. And it's better when I get to see your reactions. It's almost like we're in the studio again. Remember when we used to do that years ago? Vaguely, vaguely. I do remember. We, we could be back in the studio at this point, but we're too lazy. It's just easier to do it this way. So here we are. Well, Keith, fortunately, was we've got wet. a radio
2: station. Fortunately, we got a radio station that is, is happy to cooperate with us, and we are thankful.
0: Exactly right. We are appreciative and glad that you guys are listening here on uh, Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3. KJ, we're going to have Bob uh, Ferrante join us later. We can, we can talk a little bit more about what this means for Florida State, where they go from here kind of thing. But as I've reflected on it for the last couple of days, and I hear lots of folks saying this, maybe arduous is the word. It is it is painstaking to get Florida State to the finish line in some of these games, and I'm I'm a supporter, as you know. I'm just trying to call it like I see it. There is nothing easy about anything that's transpiring on Saturday.
2: The uh, analogy I use: my youngest grandchild, uh, he's a, a grandson. Uh, His name is Grady, and uh, he learned to walk about two months ago, and my daughter Taylor and her husband Andrew sent me some uh, video, and what it reminded me of is how many times a youngster falls down while they're learning to walk, but the only way they can learn how to walk is to fall down and pick themselves back up. So right now, Florida State's been walking, they've fallen down, now they got to pick themselves back up and get better at it. Well,
0: and they're up right now. We're hoping they don't fall back down, right? Exactly. One more week and then a bye week for Florida State as the Noles sit one and four. I want to start with this, Keith. And we'll also, by the way, folks, as we're just getting started, we'll talk Florida State football with our Osceola insider. Uh, I'm going to call him legendary soccer coach at this point. Mark Krikorian will join us. He's to that the, status. Soon to be the only Coach K in the ACC as soon as we get rid of that guy in Durham after one more year, by the way. So we will talk soccer, Florida State, number one in the country. That's coming up. This is – I hear this on the street, so to speak, Keith. The offense, they've got no personnel, so they're just making the best of what they can do with it. It's obvious that they don't have talent in any position, so it's smoke and mirrors, and they're just putting it together, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But then I feel like the defense doesn't get that similar pass because apparently there's all this talent sitting on the defense that's not being utilized correctly. So my question to you, and I'll exempt the defensive line from this because we all know that number 11 is a pretty good defensive end and Keir Thomas isn't bad either. I mean, they got a couple of really good transfers there. But when we look at the back seven issues, do you look at it and go, well, that's an NFL guy, but they're misusing them or they're not you know, they're, they're just not doing a good job coaching them up. Do you see that kind of talent out there? I
2: do not. And um, I won't tell you that I'm the best judge of talent. I've, do, I've been looking for a number of years. I've got some experience, but no, I don't. And that puzzles me and troubles me all at the same time. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if I should be critical of the coaches because the players that they're playing are not the ones that are the best. And we've got better ones that are sitting on the bench. I don't know if there are no better ones, so they're playing what they've got. I would hope and think and believe that they are playing some of the youngsters more so than they want to because they're, they're building uh, as opposed to playing older players to win. Uh, and I know you go into every game wanting to win, but you know you're also trying to rebuild the program. So you're trying to get snaps for these younger guys that you think will be more productive next year, next year, next year. I think it's just a combination of things, Tommy. I don't really know what to make of it. So I'm I'm probably not a very good person to answer that question.
0: Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in. I'll try to find somebody who could answer that question for next week's show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well played, sir.
0: <laughs> I don't know. And I know we're on special teams right now. The special teams has not been good this year. I'm not overly concerned about it because the people involved have a proven track record of being successful at coaching special teams. And I'm talking about both Papuchis and Mike Norvell. So that, that will get straightened out. Doesn't mean that you have to accept what we're seeing. I do think, and we've talked about this, the, the kickoffs, it seems like that's a very easy thing to just take the fair catch, but I know it goes against the mindset of being aggressive and posing your will, all these football type things, if you just kind of wave the white flag. So I don't know how you balance it, but it does feel as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, like maybe it's time to try that.
2: You know, I don't consider it as a defeat or trying to balance. You don't have success. So continuing doing it the same way and expecting a different result means that you're insane. Last time I checked. So let's do something different for a little while and see how that works out for us. If that doesn't work out, we can always go back to
0: the other way let's let me phrase it this way Keith and I I agree with you if the ref came to you for every first down and said you can take a two-yard gain or you can snap the football what do you think Florida State should do maybe it's a three-yard gain to put it equivalent to what a 25 is on the fair catch for a kickoff
2: I'm I'm taking the three yards I'll I'll start second and seven
0: versus what we've been doing that's exactly what I'm saying and I think it's a similar it's a similar argument like Okay, I'll even take third and four, and we'll go from there. Just don't that, give me third and one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> third and one, we need to bring some more mirrors and smoke in to figure out how we can do this. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you. It's But it's uh, back to the original point. It, it's been a grind. I'm glad they got a win. Uh, it was really cathartic for all of us, even if it's only for a week. And it got even better because... Uh, Miami lost, Florida lost, Jimbo lost, Clemson almost lost. I mean, we could just freeze the week and we're good with the rest of the season. I think. KJ, well, that uh, unfortunately
2: is a sad commentary on where we are, but it's also an accurate commentary on where we are.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we'll talk more with uh, Bob Ferranti about North Carolina and that matchup and Sam Howell. See if Mac Brown can finally get a win against his alma mater, which he's he's over over the years, including last year when Florida State surprised him. I would have to think they're obviously they're big favorites. Keith, on the surface, do you see a way Florida State can win this game?
2: I certainly do. I mean, look at the way they played against Notre Dame, look at the way they played against and defeated North Carolina last year. As we've talked about, Tommy, this is all above the shoulders. I mean, yes. There is not the same level of talent that was there 10 years and 12 years and 15 and 20 years ago, but the kids can play. Uh, these coaches have not forgotten how to coach. Uh, there's opportunities out there. If they execute, uh, it'll be a little different being in Keenan. That's different than being on your home field. But at the same time, we saw what can happen earlier this year. We've seen what can happen when you put it together last year and the win over what were they ranked? Number four at the time they came to Doke last year. Uh, so, yeah, it can happen. Am I optimistic that it will happen? Yeah, I'm not betting much on it. Uh, but it can happen, and I'm, I'm pulling for them, obviously.
0: More on that matchup is coming up. We will uh, talk with Bob Ferranti on our next segment. Then Florida State soccer coach Mark Ricorian will join us. Stay with us. We're just getting warmed up here on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom
0: and Keith back with you. We open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to Bob Ferrante from the Osceola. How are you, sir?
3: Doing well. How are you guys?
0: We're great. We're great. We're just going to bottle this week, Bob. We're talking about a win. We don't need to do any other shows. This is, this is how we roll these days. Miami lost, Florida lost. It's all good.
3: How, how was it that Miami lost on a kick that hits an upright when it, when it clearly it ain't right and, and Florida State wins on, on a kick that, that goes through the uprights? And it, it just kind of was a weird week that way. And Florida State seeing all its rivals lose, you know, between Florida and uh, even Jimbo took a loss too. So it was a loss to Mark Stoops. So it was kind of a, a weird, wild weekend.
0: Indeed. What, what's your takeaway from the game, Bob?
3: You know, I, I know this is a really big picture, but I, I think Coach Norvell can say to the offense, defense, and special teams, you guys did a really good job. You all had a big hand in, in this win. But guys, you can also see why this game was really close against Syracuse, a team that's good, but probably not near one of the best teams in the conference. And and they can see where their mistakes are. But I think it's good to learn from mistakes after a win and, and to show the guys this is your hard work. That's what Norvell is all about, work. And they they got it. They got the win by finishing finally. And this this is good for the team. And, and now, it, of course, gets a lot tougher with North Carolina and on down the road. But I, I think there are, there are positives from the ultimate biggest win of actually winning a game. It's
2: always been said it's much easier to teach from the film of a victory than it is to teach from the film of a loss. Uh, obviously, uh, I need to quit using film because it's tape and digital media. But nevertheless, we've not updated the book. You know, I, I think the, the also in the big picture is just the, the ability for the coaches to say, see, we told you this would work, and there's evidence that it does work. I think that will go a long way too in the big picture.
3: And I think a lot of what works is guys just relax, don't force it, focus, trust your fundamentals, and, and the mistakes. When you reduce mistakes, you're in ball games. And and it tells you a couple of things about Florida state. Um, There is a margin for error. That's really thin, but when the turnovers are minimal, when the penalties are minimal, uh, when the mental mistakes are, are relatively minimal. I mean, there's going to be a lot of mistakes throughout the course of the game, of course, but I I think this, this team is showing that's capable of, of winning games and would have liked to have seen them beat Louisville, you know, see some kind of growth coming out of those close losses, but it didn't happen. I, and, and they're one in four. Um, you know, I, I think they understand and they see the mistakes and they're learning from it. You know, Cam McDonald talked about it on Tuesday about, you know, his mistake as far as not, not making the block and, and not contributing to Jordan Travis's interception. But he said, I, I know, I know what I did wrong. I know next time in that situation, I'll be prepared for it, better for it. And I think, I think guys, it's a hard lesson for them to learn whether they're, uh, true freshman, redshirt freshman, or even a veteran—you know, guy, an older guy like a Cam McDonald—they're they're learning as the season's progressing.
0: Jordan Travis obviously played very well, and so we look forward to seeing him con- continue there. But at some point, and Bob, I feel like you—I don't want to say you're leading the charge, but you have an opinion on this anyway. Uh, and that is, you know, we're close to the halfway point in the season. You get to the bye week after this week. And while Jordan will still be around, Milton's not going to be here after this year. And Chubba Purdy, whether it's because Jordan's been dinged at practice or Milton's been out at practice, Purdy's gotten a lot of second-team reps, which means he's gotten a lot more reps over the last month, certainly, than he has gotten prior to that when he was the third or fourth-team guy, I guess the third-team guy. Uh, So how do you think Florida State gets him onto the field, or do they make an effort to do it? Do they just, you know, Jordan's your starter and – if we need somebody else, we go to Milton. How do you think they handle that?
3: You know, I think it's it's unfortunate because the ideal circumstances are you've got a number one quarterback and he's your guy week in, week out. And I think right now it's it's sort of the, the different story because it, it's who's available. And I think we're seeing at times it's going to be Jordan and at times it's going to be McKenzie. And Shuba has to be ready, bottom line, because he might be that number two guy just about every week, if there is an injury, um, we're seeing guys playing far less than 100%. I, I think, you know, we can say it now, Jordan Travis did not practice. Um, I believe it was Tuesday of last week and Wednesday, he looked pretty limited on, on his wheels, but then on Saturday, those wheels were great. And, and he helped guide them to a win with those long runs and the big blocks that, that set up his, uh, his runs for the field goal. This is just a situation where I think Florida State is living through two game plans each week, and it's time consuming within a 20 hour work week for coaches and players. It's really challenging. But yes, Chubba Purdy needs to be ready. I think there should be a package for Chubba Purdy to get some experience. Um, if not this week, after the bye, get him ready for some playing time against UMass because he's going to be needed down the stretch. Um, I think we all feel that, that he's going to be needed. And and he needs the experience for his future, too, as a quarterback.
2: Bob, is it a fair statement? Did you have any conversation with anybody after the game that it appeared offensively they really slimmed down the game plan? They weren't asking a lot of different things out of um, anybody on the offensive side. And, And maybe that's a recipe to start getting a little better and then build it back up.
3: It seemed like the game plan worked really well against the specific opponent of Syracuse in that you're going to run and then you're going to have quick passes to the edge, to the perimeter. Those are basically runs. And that's just utilizing your runners and your, your fast receivers or, or your quick receivers who you hope can can make a guy miss. And I think in part it was, let's not have Jordan Travis sitting back in the pocket, reading the full field we potentially reading the full field and getting hit by a Syracuse defensive front that was number one, I believe in sacks or tackles for loss, or a couple of those stats, they have guys who could really bring it. So I do think it was very much designed to execute the best it could against Syracuse. Is this a formula moving forward every week? I really don't think so. I don't think it's going to work um, as a true formula. For they put it out on film. I don't think we're going to see a ton of it against Carolina, but it just it felt like the right plan. I think we have to give the coaches praise for coming up with something very specific to the opponent. And, and for the most part, the players executing it pretty well to score 33 points and, and get a win.
0: It's ironic, as I'll ask you this question, Bob, but special teams was a big part of the win over North Carolina a year ago with a couple of blocked punts early in that game. FSU was actually pretty good on special teams last year. So that hasn't been the case thus far this year. I'm curious because it's it's sort of short-term versus long-term trade-off on this but are you in favor of keep doing it the way they're doing it which is to say don't fair catch the kick returns and don't bother kicking it into the end zone or might you say well maybe we should take a pass and we'll just take the ball at the 25 and put the opponent at the 25 and just live from there
3: yeah I think I think some guys uh I believe our our publisher, Jerry's in this category too, of you, you have a limited number of hours with guys each week. And with it being 20, how do you spend that time on special teams? Because it is important and you you do need to spend time on it, but in the manner of say kick coverage, kick it out of the end zone in the manner of kick returns, fair catch it. And, and you're always going to start on the 25, even if the kickoff is to the two. There are just things that you might want to say, hey, this is the best option for our time right now. Um, hey, the, the big two in my book, you cannot miss extra points. Number one. Number two, punt returns. My goodness, um, we we got to figure this out. I don't know who the right guy is, but he needs to be able to play center field really, really well and secure the ball. If his return yardage is zero, I'm happy with it but please secure the ball because we can't keep seeing this kind of thing happening week after week, because again, it just goes back to the whole margin of error thing. There, there is none and and special teams cannot be a liability. It has to be either a plus or slightly above average to get you where you want to go.
2: All right, guys, I got to bring up the obvious. We're supposed to talk about what if how had come to Florida state and not to UNC go. <laughs>
3: You know, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks because uh, Florida State's going to see Sam Howell and then the bye and then they're going to see Walt Bell. It's almost like the reunion tour that that nobody nobody wanted to schedule.
0: The answer to that question is Walt Bell would still be the offensive coordinator, I think. (laughs) And and the scary
3: thing is Walt Bell, I just looked it up today. He is one in 20 at UMass. He's taken one of the most difficult jobs in, in the group of five. It's it's really a miserable job to try and recruit and win there. And, and history would have been totally different if Walt Bell had stayed, Sam Howell had come here. It is what it is. It's a weird – it's been a long, strange trip since how many, however many years that was ago, but it, it's just the reality of where we are. And I think, I think Florida State guys are confident. They, they don't view themselves as 17-point underdogs, and they want, to, they want to go out there and show that they can do this. But I think we all know at the same time Sam Howell has had this date circled as part of his revenge for ever since the schedule came out. So it, it it's a tough one. It's a really tough situation for Florida State.
0: He is Bob Frante, our Osceola insider. By the way, it's only been like three years since Walt Bell, but it's like dog years. It feels like 21. All right, another segment straight ahead on Front Row Knowles.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline once again. Say hello to longtime Florida State soccer coach Mark Krikorian. Coach K, how are you, sir?
4: I'm doing just fine guys. How are you both doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. We, we don't know the answer to this question. So I'll ask you when you get your 300th win at a program like Florida state, what, what comes with that? Do you get a lifetime supply of of soccer balls or, I mean, did you get an autograph ball from the team? Do you just turn the page and move on to the next game?
4: You know, you get a nice uh, text message from coach Mike Norvell and, uh, uh, an awful lot of the other folks around here at, uh, at, uh, Florida state.
2: Well, coach, we, we tend to make light of it because you are v- rapidly
4: gained them, but th-
2: that is quite a milestone. You've got to be proud. I know you're proud of your team and I know they're proud of you. Well, thank
4: you. Yeah. I, I, guess, uh, we can look at it in a lot of different ways. Uh, certainly, uh, we've had an awful lot of great players here and, uh, great staff members that, uh, That have helped take us to this point, but it also means I'm getting old. So uh, you don't win a lot of games if you haven't been around for a long time. And I guess now I'm an old timer. (laughs) Let me ask this though,
0: coach, and this is going bigger picture. And, you know, you get so wrapped up in your sport and every coach at Florida state is, is busy with their own sport, but you do interact and get to compare notes sometimes. And when you look at Florida state, I mean, you share the softball facility, and, and Joanne Graff's one of the winningest coaches in the history of the sport of softball, and of course, Bobby Bowden, and Mike Martin, and Sue Semrau and Leonard, I think, are the winningest coaches in the history of their sports at FSU, and Chris Poole's moving. I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of longevity and success, and I'm wondering what you've learned or gleaned or gained just from some of the folks that, that are your fellow compadre coaches.
1: I
4: think we have a really great bond here among the coaches and um, a lot of sharing goes on and uh, trying to assist one another in any way that we can. Um, It's fairly common that I do pop into uh, many of the different teams uh, practices and trainings to uh, see some of the different teaching that's going on and learn from uh, from some of my colleagues here. And uh, they're very generous and gracious with their time. And uh, I think that uh, we're all trying to uh, to help uh, one another continue to be as successful as we can
2: they say it's harder to stay on top of the mountain than to get there. Cause while you're getting there, you've got that as a goal. What's been your focus now that you've been number one here and this year, you're continuing to be winning and, and undefeated. How do you, how, how do what are the new little things that you're doing to keep everybody motivated?
4: Well, I think that uh, you have to have good habits, right? At the end of the day, you have to realize what your identity is and then uh, be true to it. Um, you know, Tom, you mentioned Lonnie. Uh, here in the the, the complex, uh, boy, I got all the respect in the world for the work that she's done and uh, the softball team and uh, watching her continue to grow the program into just a, a national contender every single year and uh, you know winning the World Series and coming back and being back in the World Series year after year. Um, but I think that we have very different ways of doing things. But uh, for me, it's being um, a, a flexible a thinker and stealing ideas from The way she's doing things and the way that uh, Coach Norvell and uh, previously, uh, you know, uh, Jimbo and Coach Bowden and and all those folks uh, that were so open minded, so transparent, so willing to uh, uh, be open and sharing ideas uh, from from my point of view. I think that there's a lot to be gained. And uh, but at the end of the day, uh, to get to your question, Keith, I think the the most basic, most fundamental piece is um, continue to do what's made you successful. And for me, it's about working hard. Surrounding myself with good people and, uh, and, and of course, uh, doing a pretty good job recruiting.
0: Coach, this year's team compared to last year's team, I know it had to be a bitter ending the way it finished because I think you had the best team last year, but it was a disjointed season. You played your games in the fall and then tried to have some exhibitions and and peak at the right time in the tournament. Are, are you better suited to play a more traditional flow this year and go into it? And and, and how much does what happened last year, I, I don't know if it's a just turn the page or if it is a motivating point for you and the team.
4: Um, honestly, Tom, I thought that uh, through the balance of all of last year, we we're the best team in the country. We played some of the best soccer in the country. What we know is to win a national championship, you have to have a little bit of luck. And uh, through the course of the, um, the COVID era, Um, our kids stayed healthy they stayed safe uh it didn't affect us a whole lot um but i thought on the uh, in the day of the national championship we played well enough to win um but we didn't have enough luck on the day and uh again i don't mean to to take anything away from santa clara they had a a great uh, team a great game plan and certainly worthy champions um but i think with a little bit more luck that result turns a little bit differently and uh You know, for me, I don't have any ill feelings toward it. I'm disappointed, of course, that we weren't able to finish the game as we started the game. Um, But I don't think about uh, last year in regard to this year. This is a new team. It's a new uh, preparation, new opponents, new schedule. Um, So we're just going at it, it, um, looking at it one game at a time. All our focus right now is uh, on Syracuse, who we have on Thursday evening, and then Miami after that. And then we'll turn... I uh, do whoever's next on, on the schedule after that. But uh, no, I don't, you know, for me, it's not about motivation. I'm motivated every day. I don't uh, i do not need uh, to to lose or to win to get more motivated. Uh, that's just not part of my DNA.
2: Coach, you're right in the middle of the ACC schedule. As you mentioned, Syracuse, Miami coming up. Talk about the league. Talk about how you're going to finish the season, what, what you're looking to do to posture yourself as you get ready for postseason. What do we have to look forward to?
4: I think the league is as strong as ever. Uh, right now, I think um, out of the top five teams in the country, the ACC holds four of those uh, spots. So, um, and maybe another one somewhere in the top 10. So we ha- we certainly have four out of the top five, maybe five out of the top 10. And again, I don't spend a whole lot of time really looking at uh, um, polls. The only one that matters uh, to me and to us is the last one, right? All the others, uh, that, that's all well and good, but uh, uh, it, it doesn't matter that much um but we think that the the league is stacked again and um um it is a a bit of a gauntlet and we we need to be prepared for every game as we go into it and uh, be ready to go out and perform
0: coach the way the schedule worked out this year it seems like it's uh i mean i know the acc is solid top to bottom but you've really got some of the premier teams right at the end which i don't think that's a bad thing as you as you gear up for the postseason and just kind of your thoughts on that. And then the ACC tournament this year, Brett shared with us that it's uh, it's only a six-team tournament. What was the thought process behind that?
4: You know, as a, a coaching fraternity here in the ACC, we're kind of all over the place when it comes to trying to figure out uh, what the best format for an ACC tournament is. There are some, like like myself, uh, I, I'd i rather not even have an ACC tournament. Uh, I think we go out and we play all of these heavyweights all season long and we beat the heck out of each other and then we come back and beat the heck out of each other again before the NCAA tournament. And um, there are some that think that that's great preparation for the NCAA tournament. For me, it's just more travel, more class time missed and uh, uh, adding additional miles of fatigue on the players. Um, but I, I don't know that we we as a group have figured out a formula that works for all. I, I kind of like last year with just four teams and at times we've had eight teams and uh, this year it's going to be six teams. So uh, certainly every format uh, imaginable, we we seem to be trying, but I don't know that we've settled on one that, uh, that all of us uh, truly enjoy.
2: Coach, every team has its own distinct personality. And uh, if or when the time comes when you're retired and you and I are sitting around chatting, I'll say, well, tell me about that team or tell me about this team. So far, what you know about this squad, what's the number one thing you want to tell people
4: about them? They're so mature. They're so mature. And that comes with, you know, having uh, the extra year for so many of these players with the COVID year and so on. But we have a lot of players that are older players and, um, um, you know, they're such accomplished players and they're going to have, nice long careers after they're done playing at Florida state as professional players and as national team players. And, um, you know, of, of all of the things that I can say, I mean, very talented, but really mature every day at training, they come in with their a game. They're, they're, they come in to get better. Um, you know, it's not a group that we really need to prod and push to uh, bring the, the best out. Uh, they, they bring it every day. And I think if you have that attitude, that men- mentality, it becomes contagious. Then, the whole program continues to, to go um, and get better. So uh, I would say maturity is probably the, um, the best characteristics. Now, for the coaching staff, I'd say maturity is probably more on the, on the other side.
0: <laughs> Coach, I think it's probably a fair statement, though, that you typically have a pretty mature team. You've got such an international roster. I mean, if people are traveling thousands of miles away from home, not seeing their families and good with that, Uh, there's already a level of maturity and then you add another year. I mean, that's even more so than what you're accustomed to, I guess. Yeah,
4: Tom, I think that's a great, uh, great point to add that, uh, you know, we do have such a diverse group and we have so many kids from so many different places with such different backgrounds, but you know, they have a whole lot more in common than they, than than not. And um, you know, they're all really good students. They're all really committed to the game. uh, They're great in the community. So you know, when I look at our kids, uh, I think that they represent all of us in the fashion that uh, everyone can be proud of, uh, both on the field, but, but also in the community and in the classroom.
0: Coach, we'll finish up on this. I know you got some some home matches coming up and it's been quite the home field edge for you on on the pitch here at, at FSU, uh, which is, you know, everybody wants to play at home. But what's special to you when you know you're at home and you're going out to the Seminole Soccer Complex for a game?
4: Well, I'll tell you, I think that the community has really embraced our team over the years. And uh, the crowds we get are just fantastic. Uh, We truly have a home field advantage. Many of the um, places that we'll go and play, they're pretty sterile. And they they just don't have uh, the same uh, energy that our crowd brings to the game. And uh, I do think that it's a a significant advantage to us. And that's certainly part of the reason that um, our winning percentage is so good uh, playing here in Tallahassee.
0: Coach, thank you, uh, and congratulations on the continued success and the 300th win, and, and thanks for being such a great ambassador for Florida State and the, the the soccer and the Tallahassee community, for that matter.
4: Well, thank you both, guys. Nice to see you uh, again, and I look forward to the next time.
1: We're Sounds
2: looking good.
0: forward to watching. We're looking forward to watching. All right, Keith. Thank you. We'll take a break come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, one segment to go. Keith, always good to catch up with Mark Recording. All he does is win, right? I mean, he's, he's become a fixture.
2: You know, we we tease him about things because he is so affable, but his accomplishments and what he's built, I mean, it's almost like Coach Bowden. We were around him for all those years and then another 10, 12 years after he retired, and it just became commonplace. And uh, you and I both have had the opportunity to travel with Coach Bowden when he was alive and out of Tallahassee and his reverence and what he commanded away from Tallahassee. I mean, Coach K is the same way. I mean, you go out to California, you go up to Carolina, and they're going to talk about him in ways that, uh, you know, bespeak and talk about how great he is. We're just so used to him, and he's so so darn humble and and a part of our program uh, and such a, a fixture in the program that we take it for, for granted. But what, what he's accomplished is remarkable.
0: Noel's back at home on Thursday in soccer. Thursday and Sunday, I believe, is uh, the calendar now in October. And then, obviously, the postseason runs through the month of November. Let's bounce back to – well, congratulations, as, if we're running the gamut here, to the men's and women's golf teams for winning their tournament uh, over the last couple of days. Good job by by Amy Bond and Trey Jones at the Barbara Nicholas uh, Invitational, I think is what it was called, something like that. So they teamed up, won a tournament, so that's good to see. And, volleyball's uh, volleyball-
2: had some big wins of late.
0: Yeah, volleyball keeps on keeping on. We'll get back to that uh, sport and Chris Poole here in coming weeks. But let's let's jump back to, uh, to football. First of all, Keith, you know, it's been at least a month since I've had a schedule rant about the ACC, right? Maybe a couple months. Can we just insert the rant from last year and the year prior? I'll just uh, close my eyes and cover my ears. You go ahead. Florida State hasn't played at North Carolina since 2009 when Christian Ponder was the quarterback. Can we go ahead and just be done with the with the, the cross-division play once every six years, once every 12 years in the opponent's stadium, and get this thing down to something that's a little more favorable in terms of seeing uh, teams more frequently?
2: Just do away with the bit divisions and s- establish the schedule so that you, you know, you might have, like in basketball, you got two or three folks you're going to play every year because of natural rivalries, and then rotate the rest, pick the top two, play in Charlotte, and let's be done
0: with it. I mean, that's how long it's been, right? I think 2009 since up there. So what do you think this weekend, Keith? I mean, the the odds makers obviously are unimpressed with Florida State. They had Carolina (laughs) at 18 or something like that.
2: I believe the game will be closer than that. I'm not one to tell you to go bet the farm on Florida State winning, but as we talked previously, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. This team, the issues, my opinion, are from the shoulder up our listeners are tired of hearing that uh, term uh this team can play well if it as bob talked about when they eliminate the mistakes when they eliminate the mental uh, errors and when they stay focused on what the game plan is and not try to do too much i mean as we've mentioned these coaches have had success at other places uh, it's not like they forgot how to coach in covid 19 and um I'm, I'm looking forward to it. As long as the effort is there, as long as the kids are fighting, uh, they have a chance. I, I don't, I wouldn't, like I say, I wouldn't bet the farm on it, but by the same token, when you and I get together for our post-game show on our podcast, I, I won't be dumbfounded if FSU finds a way to win.
0: You posed that question earlier in the show about Sam Howell. So what if he had come to Florida State, Keith? So that means that he his freshman year would have been 2019, which was Taggart's second year. That means Walt Bell probably is still the offensive coordinator. Kendall Bryles never comes. Does Florida State win enough games with Hal then that Taggart's still the coach?
2: That becomes the question,
0: and obviously we'll never know the answer.
2: It's just a matter of opinion, but uh, it does speak to uh, the fact that, you know, the the, the reputation of Florida State and, and what the school represented was able to attract uh, initially some kids and over the years, last couple of three anyway, uh, some kids have gotten away. And uh, that is just kind of par for the course of the way the program's gone. And that's what Coach Norvell is attempting to rectify. Uh, that's what his efforts and his coach's efforts in recruiting has been designed to do. Uh, the classes that uh, you know, he's looking at, at least on paper, uh, for 22 and 23 by the metrics measure well. Uh, and we all know that's part of what it's going to take. you got to get the kids in. And then you got to coach them up and you got to develop them. And as Coach Kokorian talked about, you got to have a little bit of good luck along the way. But that doesn't happen unless you maintain your consistency, you continue to work on those things which you know will ultimately bring results, and you stay focused. And so far, Coach Norvell and his staff have done that. We're just waiting to see the results of it, hopefully.
0: Keith, going back to the offense, in the passing game in particular, because we've we've had this debate, and this is very simplistic terms, but they throw the ball better if Milton's in there, and they run the ball better if Jordan's in there. Neither one is a, is a slam dunk home run. But as Jordan was the guy last week, how do you get more out of the passing game than what they're doing? Because it really is simplified and, and scheming some things open. But, it, but it's not certainly a drop back and throw.
2: Well, it, it, I haven't gone back and charted, but if memory serves, I only recall two passes that I would consider down the field where the ball traveled 20 yards or more. Unfortunately, in both of those passes, a receiver was open and, and, and Jordan missed them. I think you've got to make that five or six shots a game. Be careful when you take them. Obviously, it puts you behind the chains if you're not successful. But if you can throw the ball down the field five or six times and hit one of them versus throwing it down two times and not hitting any, I think mathematically, if you like to work the metrics, that'll prove to be ultimately successful. And we've seen, you know, Jordan connect on some long passes. He just didn't connect on the two that were attempted last
0: week. And then the flip side, in Florida State's secondary, Keith, we've been looking for an easy button for several years, and we haven't found it. You're the former safety. Where's the easy button?
2: I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I thought, I thought a keen dent was going to be an answer. Um, I thought, you know, times when they played Robinson back there would be an answer. Uh, obviously, Williams, the young kid, has shown some flashes. I, I, I don't know, Tommy. I mean, you, you need to get another partner, I guess. I've run out of uh, observations um, because it doesn't make sense to me. Zone is not hard to play. Mississippi 1, Mississippi 2, find somebody. And man coverage means that you got to fight for the ball when the ball's in the air. That is, we've talked about, is like rebounding in basketball. It's all attitude. It's all attitude. And those two things haven't clicked, and I don't know why.
0: You know, the, the, uh, the listener comments have indicated I need to find another partner for a while, so maybe I'll just finally listen to him, KJ.
2: Yeah, you go ahead and do that. See what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keith, we're out of time. Anything else you'd like to add before we do this once more after Florida State's game against Carolina this week?
2: Well, we just got to stay the course. Again, FSU could go up there and, and repeat what they did last year. Nobody expected them to win against the number four Carolina team as they did last year. Um, that would be great. But if they don't, that does not mean that progress is not being made. We've got to stay the course. We've got to give Mike and the staff some opportunity. And, um, you know, it's hard. It's difficult. Nobody likes doing it, but it's what's called upon.
0: The welcome – the uh, the uh, not the welcome week, but the bye week will be welcome because a lot of guys are nicked up right now. Yep. And so they, yep. they need to get through this. Certainly, if you could somehow – miraculously escape with a win and get that second win and go into a bye week, everybody be feeling great, but regardless, the bye week will be welcome. Keith, you and I will uh, convene late Saturday evening at some point, and we'll uh, recap the Carolina game. Till then, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.